Guys, welcome to Riverside Church. Uh, My name is Brian Doback. We're in the last text uh, in the book of Malachi that we've been walking through for the past eight weeks. Uh, This is the last text. Now, before we get started, I just want to open up the door to my house to everybody and just share with you something. My wife and I, we, we go back and forth on something here. And and setting things up, uh, I, I like to say that I, I, I uh, eat to live. You guys know what I'm saying? I eat to live. Whereas my wife, she, she says, well, I live to eat. She really enjoys eating, you know, and that's okay. It's okay to enjoy eating. Well, I eat, I eat to live, you know, and when you eat to live, you, you don't enjoy the food, right? You eat fast just to get it over with, right? That's me. I eat to live. You don't really experience it. You don't savor it. And as a result, you don't remember it. I can't remember what I ate last week on any given night. Whereas my wife, because she lives to eat, she could tell you exactly what she ate at Vic's Sushi and Thai when we went on a double date about five days ago. She could tell you that. I couldn't. But guys, when we live to eat, you enjoy the food, right? You enjoy it. You savor it. You experience the food. You savor it. And as a result, you can remember what you ate last week. Guys, I want to ask you a question. Are we living for God? Seriously, are we really living for God? Are we fixating on Jesus and his words and his commands Are we listening to what he says? And not just listening, are we doing what he says? Are we doing what he says? Are we savoring it? Are we experiencing it? And as a result, are we remembering what Jesus says and what he's done in our lives? Guys, when we don't live for God and we live for the blessing, when we live for the blessing, the result in our lives is really what we've seen in Malachi and the Israelites. They have not been living for God. They've been living for the blessing from God. You see, Israel is misunderstanding God's love for them. We've seen that in Malachi. They're misunderstanding God's love for them, and there's a disconnect reflecting in their attitude and their behavior towards him and towards others, and it's producing unfaithfulness. So as a result, they're not practicing what God says. They're not savoring it. They're not experiencing his words and his law. And as a result, they aren't remembering them. And they're not remembering him and who he is. What have we seen in Malachi so far? They've offered blemished, imperfect sacrifices to God. Blemished, imperfect sacrifices to God. They've committed adultery against God and against others. They've been criticizing God for his seeming lack of justice. They've been withholding the full tithe to God. Guys, this sermon I'm calling today, it's called In the Meantime. In the Meantime. We're going to learn today that Jesus, he's coming again. He's coming again. And in the meantime, while we wait, what do we do? What do we do with this time? this waiting period. So we're going to read the entire text, and then we're going to pray, and then I want to do a synopsis, a general synopsis of the text, and then I want to zone in and focus on just one verse here in today's text. 
So let's read the text. Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Malachi 4, chapter, Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And the scripture says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. That day is coming, the day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So, generally speaking, what is going on here? And before we get into that, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for uh, calling us to, to worship you together in community, uh, but once a week, um, Lord. We're just grateful for everything that you're doing in our lives, Lord, and even the things that it seems like you're not doing, God. We can trust you. You're a perfect and holy God who loves your creation, Lord, and you want the best for us, God. And, and whatever it is that we're, that's going on in our lives, we can leave it out the door for but this one hour and just set our sights on you, Lord. Speak to us through your word and tell us what you have to say and what you want us to do here. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So once again, I want to do a general synopsis of the text, and then I'm going to get into one, of, one verse here, and just we're going to take it home. So what's going on here? God is basically fast-forwarding to Jesus' second coming. He's fast-forwarding to Jesus' second coming, and his blessing and salvation are on the way, but so are his judgment and his justice. You see, Jesus is both a blessing and a curse. He's a blessing and a curse. It's going to be judgment on some, judgment and justice on some, but for others, he's going to be assurance and comfort and salvation for those who have revered his name by faith. And when Jesus comes again, it's going to be great excitement. Great excitement for the faithful. I love how God, through Malachi, uses this picture of leaping calves. Back in that time when the Israelites, during the winter, the Israelites would lock away their, their, their cattle, their calves, into the stalls all winter. They'd be locked away all winter. And then when the spring came, they would open the gates. Can you imagine the excitement of these calves being locked up all winter? Excitement. I get a taste of that in my own house with our own dogs. We don't walk our dogs enough. <laughs> so when we get home, they go crazy. That's what it's going to be like for us. And guys, then he says, one of the ways Israel will know he's coming a second time is by recognizing Jesus is coming the first time. The first time. So God, he rewinds, he rewinds a little bit to Jesus' first coming in the text here. 
Now, scholars, they go back and forth. They go back and forth whether the Elijah spoken of here is Jesus or John the Baptist. I've heard good arguments for both, and I'm not going to take a stand here. Regardless if it's Jesus or John the Baptist, everybody agrees that somebody with a powerful Elijah-like ministry is going to come and turn the hearts of fathers to their children and children to the fathers. And he's going to cause powerful mass repentance and a turn back to God. So guys, what does this mean to them then? This is what I want to preach on. I want to preach on verse 4 here today. Just one verse. Verse 4. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb. At Horeb. Guys, God is basically saying here, this is what I'm going to do. It's coming. You can count on it. But in the meantime, in the meantime, here is what you need to do. Here is what you need to do. You know, there's a universal struggle in all of us, I think, where we either tend to live in the present, or I'm sorry, we live in the past, or we live in the future. We're just never content with today. Do we not? God is such, he's showing us, this is what I want you to do today. Don't worry about what's coming. Only I'm in control of that. But this is what you're in control of. This is what I want you to do today. Why does God command them to, in the meantime, remember the law? You see, we have to understand first the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law. God's law and his commands, they were given to Moses on Mount Sinai. The Ten Commandments and everything you read in the book of Leviticus, that was God's law. But it's not just a list of rules. I know that's how we approach it sometimes, a lot. It's not just a list of rules. God's law is his character. It's his revealed nature. It's who he is. His commands and his law are his will. God is basically saying, because of my holiness, it's not just a list of rules. This is how you're to relate with me. This is how you're to relate with me. The Israelites, they experience goodness through the law. They experience goodness and blessing through the law because it's God's law and it's who God is. So to remember the law and submit to it is to remember who God is and to submit to who he is. God's law was, it was, it was a, a, a road map for success. For success, not, not fame, not fame or riches. It was a roadmap to success in pleasing him. And there's nothing better or more fulfilling in our lives than to please God. Nothing. There is nothing better than that. Nothing can match that. I want to point you to a couple psalms, and I really want you to just gauge the heart of the psalmist as he cries out these psalms. Psalm 1, 1 through 4. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. 
And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Psalm 19, 7 through 11, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward." God's word, his law. And guys, it's not just remembering God's law from a knowledge standpoint, but it's it's having a relationship with his law, with his word. It's experiencing his law by doing his commands and savoring it and experiencing it. When they do and experience his law, they see the difference between life with it and life without it. Look at Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, Joshua is assuming command of Israel by God after Moses. And God tells him only, Be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, oh boy. (laughs) I don't have it memorized. (laughs) For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Good success. As you read God's law in the Old Testament scripture, his law is intensely practical. Intensely practical and a lot of times quite simple. And yet, it's impossible to keep. His law is impossible to keep. So guys, this verse, remember the law, the statutes and commands that I gave Moses. What does it mean to us today? I see what it means to them then. What does this mean to us today? This command to them is to us, it's it's the in the meantime text. It's the in the meantime text. Unlike the Israelites in Malachi's day, we don't have to wait for Jesus' first coming, being on this side of the cross. But like the Israelites then, we are, as they were, waiting for Jesus' second coming, for his second coming And what we do in the meantime is enormously significant. Enormously significant. We're all waiting. We're all waiting. And verse 4 is the in the meantime text. This is what we do. This is what God says he wants us to do today. Don't worry about tomorrow or the past. Today, this is what I want you to do. Remembering the law, it's not much different to us as it was then. Today, for us, it's just, it's, there's is a fuller, more revealed meaning. 
to us today, and we're going to explain that. You see, the law, it was not given to us to, to be saved. The law doesn't save us. It shows us. The law doesn't save. It shows. But what does it show? Guys, it gives us boundaries, right? And without boundaries, we wouldn't know we're out of bounds. We would not know we're out of bounds with God. So as a, revolt, as a result of showing us our sin, as a result of showing us our sin, because they're impossible to keep, it shows us that we need a Savior. It shows us that we are desperately in need of a Savior. Jesus made it crystal clear that one of the reasons he came was not to make the law go away. The law is still intact. Jesus came to fulfill it. Jesus came to fulfill it. God's law is still a roadmap for success today. It still is. It's still a roadmap for success today in pleasing him. But now God has revealed himself more fully and finally in Jesus Christ. And he did this when he made his word flesh. He did this when he made his word flesh in Jesus who perfectly fulfilled the law for us on our behalf. God has put his character and his nature and his goodness on paper, on paper, but he has ultimately nailed them on the cross, his character and his nature and his goodness. He nailed to the cross. Before Jesus completed his work, under the old covenant, they related with God based on the law. It was the law and how they related with God. After Jesus completed the work and fulfilled the law for us, for us, now we relate with God through grace and truth, through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ and his perfect fulfillment of the law. Knowing we can't attain perfection of the law, it does not preclude us from striving to follow the law. It does not mean we don't have to anymore. We're still called to remember it and to live it out, but here's the difference. We're called to live in the freedom and the strength that comes from knowing that Jesus has done it perfectly for us, and that gives us great power. The freedom gives us great, great power, because Jesus loved the law. <laughs> he loved it, he ate it. He savored it. He wrapped himself in it. He listened to it. And not only did he listen to it, he did it. He did it perfectly. And he fulfilled it for us. As it relates to the book of Malachi, not only has Jesus fulfilled the law, he has succeeded everywhere the Israelites failed in Malachi. Everything that we've seen the past eight weeks, Jesus has fulfilled. They offered polluted sacrifices to God, Jesus offered himself the perfect, unblemished sacrifice to God. They committed adultery against God and against themselves. Jesus was perfectly and steadfastly faithful to the Father and to those around him. They criticized God. They criticized him for his seeming lack of justice. Ironically, Justice was served on Jesus for us. God's wrath and his justice, which should have been reserved for us, 
was put on Jesus so we wouldn't have to experience God's wrath and his justice. But there's still more judgment and justice to come when he comes again for those who are unfaithful to Christ. They withheld full tithes from God, right? We saw that. They withheld the full tithe from God. Jesus was the perfect offering. He was the full tithe. Jesus tithed his life to the Father so that we could live and give our best to God. This is why Jesus is good enough. This is why we can trust Jesus. This is why we can know Jesus. It's because he has done it all for us. He's given us freedom, and there is power in freedom. There's strength in freedom. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to remember what Jesus has done, what Jesus says, what he commands us to do? Why is it so hard to remember God's word and his law? You know, despite the capacity of our, of our minds, when it comes to the things of God, we have the memory of a fish. We do. We have the memory of a fish. Because of our, our sin, our flesh is adamantly opposed to the things of God. Our flesh wants nothing to do with spiritual things. Without God's intervention, without his intervening, we resist God and his word with a 10-foot pole. We say we believe, and yet we resist his word. It doesn't make sense. We need God's word to speak to us. We need God's word to freshen us, to minister to us. We need God's word to remind us. We need God's word to help us remember what he's done. You know, one of the few things I love about Facebook are these Facebook memories <laughs> that we get. I love them. I got a memory a couple days ago. Guys, I never would have remembered that this happened. But a year ago on that day, I got this great, Brian, we care about you and the memories you share here. We thought you'd like to look back at this moment from one year ago. And there was a picture of me and my daughter on a lunch date at Subway. I was like, man, I, I would have forgotten that. I did forget about it. I would not have remembered that unless that came to me. And I praised God for his blessing and my daughter and for reminding me of his goodness. Guys, this is like God's word. This is like God's word. We need this. We need this Facebook app where it shows us, look, like there's another thing on there where you can click on it. It says, on this day, right? So we'll go to on this day, and we'll see what happened today in my past. On this day. Okay. <laughs> I remember that quote. <laughs> I remember that quote. That's amazing. I would not have remembered that I posted that quote. I'm not going to read that quote. <laughs> it's a good, safe quote. It's okay. Do you guys get my point? Guys, we need to remember. We need God's word to remember what he's done in our lives, what he's done in the past before us, and his goodness, and who he is, his character, 
We need His law. It reminds us of who He is and, and of who Jesus is and what He's done for us. This is why on Sunday mornings, our service revolves around God's Word. Because we need to be in His Word. And it's not just Sunday mornings, it's daily. It's daily. Why else? Why else can't we remember? Guys, we remember what we value. We remember what we value. You know, we're too busy focusing on other things. I don't know, some of us can probably remember like our 30 favorite micro-brewed beers. They all have cool names, you know? But none of us can remember a lick of Jesus' commands. I used to take pride in remembering all of Derek Jeter's stats. I used to take pride in that. <laughs> Man, if I can do that, why can't I do this with what really matters? With God's Word? Guys, we're too busy focusing on other things. We're easily seduced by the things of the world. Our flesh loves the temptations of the world. Our flesh loves it. Jesus broke the seduction of the world, and he showed us that there's nothing to be seduced by. Nothing. Be seduced by me. Be seduced by me, Jesus says. We need to set our sights on things above, not on things below. We need to set our sights on things above. That's our next sermon series. Setting our sights on things above. Where is our focus? When we seek first the kingdom of God, God's order flows into our lives. If we don't pursue his law and his word through his son, Jesus, we get disorder in our lives. Like we saw with the Israelites in Malachi. Disorder in our hearts. Disorder in our marriages. Disorder in our churches and in our communities. Guys, you're seeing it in the world today. It's so obvious. It's never been clearer the differences in the world. Why else don't we remember? Guys, we remember what we experience. We remember what we experience. God, I don't remember a lick of anything that I learned in high school and college. Sorry, Mom and Dad. <laughs> I don't remember anything. All the tests that I took, all the information that I memorized, I don't remember any of it. What I do remember, though, are the things that I experienced by applying those things that I learned. Guys, and that's what, it's the same that goes for God's word and his law. It's more than just knowledge, but it's applying the gospel. It's applying his word to our lives. It's experiencing it. Some of us have this great head knowledge of Jesus and what he's done in the gospel, but we're not experiencing it because we're not applying it to our lives on a daily basis. Guys, we remember what we experience, and some of us aren't experiencing the gospel. So, of course, we're not going to remember what Jesus' word. Finally, what's another reason? Man, this is super practical. We're seeing it all over the world, even in our churches. Guys, we have an excessive infatuation with end times. 
Incessive, there's a whole slew of people out in the world that they obsess over end times. What's it going to be like? How's it going to go down? How are we going to know? When's it going to happen? Who cares? Who cares? We don't have specific answers for those things. Who cares about all that stuff? We know it's going to happen. Only God is in control of that. Only God is in control of that. In the meantime, what do we do? We remember. We want to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing the main thing, and that's remembering who Jesus is. Remembering and experiencing the gospel every day in our lives. Being in his word and steadfastly keeping his commandments. This is the last text in Malachi. Between this text and the birth of Jesus, there's a 400-year silence from God. God didn't disappear. He didn't ditch Israel. He was still with them. He simply just did not speak to them through prophets. He didn't speak to them through prophets. But they never needed to despair because what he had given them at the time was enough. It was enough for the silence. And he was going to bring his last prophet, Jesus, to finalize everything. Guys, I want to tell you, when God seems silent, there's no need to despair when God seems silent because he's really not. We never need to despair because, A, he sent us Jesus, and B, he's given us his word. God's word, this is him speaking to us. He's not silent. Jesus and his words are enough if we will only practice them and experience them and apply them and, and savor them and remember them. Jesus is coming again. But in the meantime, we do nothing but center our lives around Jesus and around his words and his commands. And until we do this in our lives, we will never be full. We will always be spinning. We'll always be toiling. We will always be desperate. We will always be searching until we do this, until we center our lives around Jesus and remember his commands and do them. Jesus wants us to eat his words and savor them and experience them and apply them and remember them. He doesn't want us to just listen to them and read them, but he wants us to close the book and go and do them because that's how we experience them. By faith, let his presence and his gospel and the contents of his words transform us, transform us and shape us and mold us and grow us. The end is an approaching event, but it really shouldn't matter because we can't do anything about it. We need to focus on what we can do, and that's what Jesus commands us to do today. Look at John chapter 14. If you love me, he says, you will keep my commandments. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. 
So guys, in the meantime, we still delight in God's word. We still delight in his law, but it's through Jesus. In the meantime, we still rejoice in his law, but it's now through Jesus. In the meantime, we still meditate on his word day and night, but it's through Jesus. In the meantime, we still listen to the commands of Jesus, and we do them. In the meantime, we love, we sacrifice, we show mercy, we show grace, because it's what Jesus did, and it's what he tells us to do. In the meantime, we remember these things. Let's pray.